Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And uh, today is Friday. It's February 3rd, 2017. And today we're reading continuous. In Bill's story, we're going to be on page three. We're going to read a couple of paragraphs, the last paragraph on page three for context. And then we'll be going over to page four, paragraph one. So today's readers are, for the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous, will be Marietta P. The 12 traditions will be Laura W. And our readers for the text this morning will be Leah S., Larry K., and Mara Z. So our shared ID for yesterday, Thursday, February 2nd, is 9534. That's 9534. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose. That's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary Etter P. to please read the 12 steps. Mary Etter P. from Virginia, recovered. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so, do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. 
And thank you, Marietta P. I will now ask Laura W. to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning, everyone. Thanks. This is Laura W., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Anorexic in South Jersey. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. And thank you so much, Laura W., for getting in here. Our meeting, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and to readers and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Okay, today we're going to resume our study in the big book and Bill's story. And we're going, the first read is going to begin on page three, the last paragraph, read for context. And then we're going to comment on the first paragraph on page four. So I will please ask Leah S. to begin our reading. Thank you so very much. My name is Leah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overreader in Brooklyn. In 1929, I contracted Gulf fever. I, we went at once to the country, my wife to applaud while I started to overtake Walter Hagen. Liquor caught up with me much faster than I came up behind Walter. 
I began to be jittery in the morning, golf permitting, drinking every day and every night. It was fun to roam around to the exclusive course, which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. I acquired the impeccable code of ten one sees on, on the well-to-do. The local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till with amused skepticism. Abruptly in October 1929, hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. After one of these days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was 8 o'clock five hours after the market closed. The ticker still clattered. I was staring in at an inch of the tape which bore the inscription XYZ32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished. So were many friends. The papers reported men jumping from the de- jumping to death from the powers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. My friends had dropped several million since 10 o'clock. So what? Tomorrow was another day. As I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. Okay. So, wow. This is, uh, this is, wow. Bill is, is really, um, this disease is progressing. It's progressing, and he's doing. There are things that he's doing so compulsively, so impulsively, without thought. Um, his mind is a whirlwind. Uh, he goes in and he goes out. He, he doesn't even know what he's doing. He hears what people are doing. The world is in chaos. This is when the stock market broke loose. And uh, people were were losing a lot of money, and um, and they were giving up a lot of hope. So this is basically um, what I had been through: the yo-yo back and forth, and up and down with my weight, uh, promising myself again, and promising myself again and again and again. There was the there was nothing, nothing that could help me. The only time I felt good was when I, when I really lost the weight and I felt good maybe for a half a minute because the next half a minute I was already eating again and again until I came into Overeaters Anonymous and I heard that I can use my higher power to ask him to help me whom I choose to call God. It, it was so amazing because I never thought about that. I never really, really um, connected the dots between, you know, bringing my higher power into my every single, every single event in my life and everything, and it has not failed me. It is so amazing because today I'm thinking even though I didn't connect with my higher power, it was deep within me. It was deep within me. I just had to reach out for it. And with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you. And thank you, Leah S. Okay, we're going to be concentrating our comments and shares on the very first paragraph on page four. Who would like to begin? <clears throat> this G. is Bella. Can I share? But I heard Holland G. I heard Bella G. Anyone else? Carolyn S.H. I heard Carolyn S.H. And one more. Okay. If not, we'll start with Holland G. Please, you're right. Thank you, Janice, and thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Friday. This is Harlan G., a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? You can. Okay, thank you. We're taking a look now at Bill's story, and we are seeing the progression of his alcoholism. We're talking about Black Tuesday, Tuesday, October the 29th, 1929, when all hell broke loose. It was the beginning of the Great Depression. Um, recently in this country, we had 10 and 12 and 15% unemployment in certain pockets, and we had a lot of upheaval. In, these, in this situation, we're going to see 50 to 60% unemployment, and among minorities, we're going to see 90 and 95% unemployment. We're going to see soup kitchens. We're going to see the world turned upside down. And when this is going on, on October the 29th, 1929, these guys, not Bill, were jumping off buildings because their God was dead, their world was gone, everything that they knew was gone with the wind. But Bill is looking down his nose at the people killing themselves. On page six, uh, in a couple of days, maybe next week, we're going to get to page six, and we're going to see that he himself is going to consider it very seriously, and that's going to mark his progression. But what does he do? He says, I went back to the bar without knowing it cerebrally because he hasn't come in contact with the information of the mental twist, the effect, or the physical allergy, he knows without knowing it that liquor is going to do something for him that it doesn't seem to do for other people. It took away the reality of what was going on around him. And Reese's peanut butter cups and Oreo cookies can make the world a perfect place for me for about eight seconds. doesn't last much longer than about eight seconds. But for eight seconds, everything is just groovy, just wonderful, just fantastic. And he goes back to the bar. So what? Tomorrow was another day as I drank the old fierce determination to win came back. And that is the effect. No matter how morbidly obese I was, no matter how I couldn't fit in and out of a car, no matter how I couldn't sit in a chair, the cookies, the candies, the cake would make everything okay. It distorted my reality. It was doing something for me that it doesn't do for other people. And it was glorious for about eight seconds, and we're seeing Bill going into that situation right now. And with that, I will pass. I hope to see everybody in New Jersey in September at this fantastic convention coming up. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you, Holland. Okay, Bella G., it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, this paragraph is me. 
tomorrow was another day. Yes, before the program, I didn't know how to live the here and now. I was all the time running away from my feelings. And I didn't think, what is now? What's going now on my, in my life? I was thinking, oh, okay, no problem. Tomorrow was another day. Tomorrow will be better. I remember I was a girl in my teenager. I was 15, 16 years old. My mother cooked supper for the day before she went to work. And I came home in the afternoon from school and I ate everything. And I didn't even think, oh, what will be? My mother will come home. There is no supper for the family. No problem, Bella. Tomorrow will be better. Don't worry. There will be supper. From where and how much and who will cook it? I don't know. And I didn't even think that there is a problem. I always was running away from the here and now. I didn't know what means to feel. I didn't know what to do with my feelings. So I was always running from the present. I didn't know how to live the present. I had a fear to live the present. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. Today, I am connected to a loving, accepting power that I called him God. And today, I know I don't have the power for tomorrow. Today, thank you, God, I live the here and now. And yes, I have those times that I have my challenges, that I have those feelings that they are not so comfortable, like pain and anger and jealousy. Yes, I do have. And thank you, God, I have my tools. I know what to do with them. Thank you, God, I am not running anymore to, the, to my willpower for tomorrow. I am living happily today, that today, the present, this right minute, because today I know and I accept I am powerless and I am connected to a loving power. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. <clears throat> and thank you, Bella G. Okay, let's have Carolyn S.H. It's your turn. Hi, this Hi. is Beth. Hi. Oh, we're, we're, ta- we're getting uh, Carolyn S.H. and then we'll go on. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't hear my name, but, but I assumed. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Carolyn S.H. calling in from Massachusetts. I'm grateful, uh, recovered compulsive eater and I just woke up and I haven't had coffee so excuse my voice but I wanted to jump in because I I suddenly see a parallel that I've never seen before so um in oops I forgot to set my timer uh where to go okay well I'll do my best here okay um uh I was starting at an inch uh I was staring at an inch of the tape which bore the inscription XYZ32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished, and so were my friends. The papers reported men jumping to their death from the towers of high finance. So simply because they lost money, and a lot of money, given that, um, I mean, there, were, there, was no, um, there was no earthquake. There was no um, terrorist attack. There was no, it was simply, you know, the crash, right? 
um, the crash that we all know about, um, and that has happened again in various ways in history, um, and people killing themselves over money, right? And um, and so what does Bill do? He he goes to his higher power. He goes to his substance. Um, and the parallel that jumps out at me is um, in the promises on page eighty four. Um, uh, we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. Um, and he becomes a completely different person. And as we know, we later hear all the stories of um, uh, him beginning the AA program um, and he didn't have any money and he, you know, he tried to raise money. We've heard the stories of him trying to raise money and from Rockefeller, et cetera. And that didn't work. And he was, he was broke. He and Lois were broke for many years after he got sober and uh, was um, creating the fellowship. And he was in the fourth dimension and happy as a lark. And so just the difference between, I think I have a minute left, the difference between like, you know, the pure happiness and joy after um, doing this process and and the despair um, and the hopelessness all over the same, you know, all over money. Um, and for myself, I'll end with this and saying, like, things have completely shifted from me, and this is on a good day, um, from me being completely, like, movable, you know, like, um, reactionary because of circumstances, money or anything, and and especially money, I, um, and really getting to the point where economic insecurity has left me. Um, and I think that's my time. Thank you so much. And thank you, Carolyn S.H. Okay, just a reminder where we're at. We're on page four, Bill Story, paragraph one, and that's what we're commenting on. Who would like to be next? R. Well, I heard a I heard Linda R. and I just heard Melissa C. Anyone else? Melissa P. I heard Carol G. I heard Leah M. and I heard Nessa R. Okay, we go with those few because I like just a few because we can get on. Nessa R. Okay, we're going to start with Linda R. Please. Did Linda R. talk? Say it. Say it. She wanted to speak. Is there a Linda R.? I must be hearing things. Okay, let's go to Melissa C. Hi. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what strikes me this morning is this um, all hell breaking loose. And of course he goes to the bar, you know, and um, because what else, what other solution does an alcoholic, you know, have at that point when you have no connection with any other power, um, you go to the one thing that can kind of take you out. And, um, and that's, you know, that's where I can really relate. I've had my own personal you know, all hell breaking loose at at different parts and different times in my life. And sometimes it really was all hell broke loose. And 
I had no God. I had no, you know, of course I did have a God. I just didn't know that I had a God. Um, and I had, you know, I had no connection. I had no other alternative but to eat, but to turn to the food. And, you know, what I think of here is, um, I don't know, thank God I had the food then if I didn't have anything else. Um, and I know that sounds awful coming, you know, now that I'm in a recovered state, but that's where I can say, like, I don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. Um, you know, and I look at Bill here and, you know, thank God he didn't jump, you know, that um, even if, you know, the only thing he had was the bar, um, that's part of his story. It certainly didn't, um, it didn't make the path, you know, light and easy for him. It certainly, you know, we know in the story here it gets worse and worse, but, um, you know, and that's, that's my story too, in that when all hell broke loose, um, I ran to the food, to oblivion, um, because I could not deal with feeling what I felt. And, um, you know, and that's part of my winding path that I'm here today. And so, you know, this morning, hell broke loose in my house, you know, um, certainly not like crazy hell, but I'm, I'm, I over um, dramatize things. So my teenage daughter did something and, you know, all hell breaks loose, but I have a higher power today. And so, you know, before I even got out of bed, I'm reaching for a connection with the power that can relieve me. So I don't need to run to the bar. I don't need to run to the refrigerator. Um, I'm just grateful to know that today. Um, thank you. With that, I'll ask. Well, thank you, Melissa C. Well, good morning, Vasa O. Oh. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida. And this reminds me when my parents would talk to me how when the communists came in my country, I don't know if it was around this time, 1929, I don't know exactly, and how they expressed how when the communists came and that they took everything from people and the banks turned upside down and people were just killing themselves, jumping out, the, out, out of the windows, it just brought some memories back, even that was that happens in other parts of the world. And uh, somehow I did put that much value on money, too, before I came to my higher power because I didn't have a higher power in those days to depend, you know, for no matter what, no matter what goes in my life, I'm going to be taken care of if I just surrender enough, if I just trust and rely on God. And not with just the food, with everything in my life. And I remember hell break loose in my life when I was into my addictions. Um, and again, because I depended on myself or I depended on other people to help me, and uh, they couldn't, you know, they were not God. And uh, so I'm just so grateful that I can hear, you know, this in this in this reading, you know, when uh, Bill, you know, when this uh, hell broke uh, loose in his time, but he went to his drinking, he was not going to go and kill myself. And I don't think I could have taken my life either, but I probably went 
you know, to the food for comfort, you know. And that was my God in those years. And today I don't have to do that. I have a God in my life that, that can help me deal with life and life's problems, you know, without having the food there any longer. I mean, yes, I do eat. It's to survive. That's my, you know, that's, it's, a, it's like putting gas in the car, you know. It, I have to run, you know. But I don't have to indulge and I don't have to overeat and, and getting sick. It was very progressive for me. So thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, okay. Good morning to you. Leah M., please, it's your turn. Thank you very much, Janice. The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. That disgusted me. I would not jump. I went back to the bar. Um, You know, that's always Bill's solution. Um, Obviously, you know, there's fear going on, uh, financial insecurity here, uh, you know, the unknown. and his solution is to drink. Um, and, you know, I relate to that. I relate to that because whenever I was disturbed, uh, fearful, self-doubting, <laughs> insecure, uh, angry, resentful, uh, etc., my solution was to eat, to medicate, to uh, seek the ease and comfort of the contents of a bakery box and a cellophane bag, you know, um, and in order to medicate, to numb out, so that I could, you know, resume my my will and my determination, as he says, and I, as I drank, the old fierce determination to win came back. I'll show them. And, you know, there are numerous uh, <laughs> examples in my life of a, as a compulsive overeater where I ate to show you, you know, the anger and the resentment was so um, alive within me, and I did not know how to cope with life. I did not know how to cope with the reality of my life, of what was unfolding around me. And so, you know, eating uh, gave me that sense of ease and comfort. It took a long time of compulsive overeating, almost two decades for me, uh, to realize that I had a faulty dependency on people, on places, on things, on money, on material positions, possessions, on positions, on prestige, on status, on power, to give me a sense of well-being. All those things are physical. I didn't realize I was suffering from a spiritual malady, and you can't solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. You know, and it took the program of recovery to teach me and to give me these steps in order to align with something that can always be a safe harbor, always be a refuge that offers me ease and comfort with the daily ups and downs of life. Um, And I'm so grateful 
for this program of recovery that taught me to rely on, to be tethered to something greater uh, than these other things which could never fill the, the hole in the soul. Just finishing up, you know, everybody looked at my compulsive overeating and my eating disorders at the consequences it was causing, obesity and medical issues, etc. To me, food was the glue that was holding me together until it no longer did, until it beat me to a bloody pulp. And then <laughs> with that, I pass. Thanks so much. And thank you so much, Leah M. Okay, Nessa R., please. Hi, uh, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So um, I spent about four and a half decades of my life battling my weight and my food and believing that the food and the weight were my problem. You know, I I, um, spent time uh, and money, too, in countless of diets, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, running to the food, running away from the food, although the past 20 years, the last 20 years actually, were just gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining um, without, uh, without stopping. You know, um, my, as was sharing many shares beautifully before, my food, the food was my go-to place. It was my solution to my living problems. You know, if, if, if my kids bickering got on my nerves, I would go to the fridge. If I got a traffic ticket, I went to the fridge. If I, my computer didn't work, I went to the fridge. If the dishwasher didn't work, I went to the fridge. That was my solution to everything. And it was such a bad solution at that because it only created more problems, you know, not only the weight, of course, and the health issues, but, you know, it created even more tension in my house because my husband and I fought about my weight. Um, like, we didn't fight about anything else. Um, it created more fear, guilt, shame, remorse. Um, it, it was just, um, it was just not, not a good feeling. The sense of ease and comfort that I got from that initial bite quickly dissipated, and it turned into, into a boomerang, um, like Bill described um, earlier, earlier in the reading, that, that cut me to ribbons. Um, fast forward to recovery. I don't need the food as a sense of ease and comfort. Actually, we're told that um, in uh, recovery, we um, have to commit a murder, which is uh, we have to kill the food as a, sen- as a source of ease and comfort. Now my sense of ease and comfort, my real solution comes from a spiritual solution, which is God, whom I access through the 12 steps, you know. When I was in the food, I had no access to God. I had to put the food down, and then I had to get myself out of, out of the way, my, my ego, my selfishness, etc., through the work of the steps. Now when I have an issue and my nose is out of joint, I access God through the 10 steps, through the, through the 12 steps, sorry. I do a step 10, and I, and, I, and I figure out, okay, you know, why am I fearful? Why am I... Uh, why am I resentful? And it's always because I'm being selfish, also seeking or, or, or dishonest. And I get that address and then I have access to my higher power. And it's such a much better way to live because I'm not in conflict with anything or anyone. Uh, food is not even on the radar screen. You know, if I have a problem and I have faced many difficulties in recovery, you know, the you know, deaths um, of, uh, you know, dear loved ones, um, you know, uh, financial insecurity, you know, you name it. 
and food is not even, it's not only that it's not even an option, it's just it doesn't even figure in the scheme of things. Um, and it's, it's just it's such a pleasure to not eat. Um, and with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Nessa R. Okay, is there anyone else that would like to comment on this uh, paragraph, first paragraph, page four? Sarah W. Kim, Sarah, wait, wait a minute. Sarah W., is that you? Correct. Oh, good. Okay, Sarah W., anyone else? Reba P. Reba P., and I heard somebody K. Shoshana K. Shoshana. Show, I don't know how to spell it, but anyway, Shoshana K. Can anyone else? Camille D. Is it a Camille D? Camille G. Camille G. Okay, let's go with those four. You know I like that number. Okay, Sarah W., please go ahead. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. Uh, good morning, Vision, to you, Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the thought came into my mind when it says, tomorrow was another day. I loved um, Gone with the Wind, and I remember Scarlett O'Hara making the comment, tomorrow is another day. And when you look personality type of Scarlet, which I really had so much, you know, it was like the fantasy world and, you know, the lack of complete um, maturity and the demand of, from people that they fill her, uh, her desires. And that was me uh, completely. And I was thinking about, um, you know, how sad it is that, um, you know, Bill, he says it disgusted him, but he went back into the bar for a reason. You know, obviously he was uncomfortable in his own skin, not only probably for himself, but for other people. I mean, how can you be so cold and, and uh, inhumane to not care that people are, are killing themselves? I mean, um, you know, we as, as addicts are very, very sensitive, compassionate people. Uh, and I don't think he could even let himself feel that. And um, the thought that came into my mind also is that, you know, this is like willingness without action is fantasy. And that's what we do as addicts do. You know, uh, we, we don't want to take the action because, first of all, we may fail. Or more scary than that, we could, we could you know, succeed. And, and that is frightening because most of us have lived in a lot of chaos. And the last thing I want to say is that, the biggest thing in recovery that strikes me now, and I have a beautiful plaque that says it, is um, learning to dance in the rain. Um, the whole idea of, you know, life on life's terms can be very difficult. Um, you know, we all face a lot of adversity in life. There's a lot of sadness that we see that, that seems very unjust. But the idea that comes into my mind is, with that second step, which is extremely important to me, that second half, that I have to believe that this program and that with God's help, that this power greater than me can help me be restored to sanity, even if I never had it. So learning with God's help to dance in the rain is what the program really offers us. And what a beautiful miracle that is. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Hmm. And thank you much. Sarah W. Okay, Reva P. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. 
Uh, what this paragraph teaches me is that drinking or the overeating is not my problem. Um, it's life. And um, when Bill is getting upset, uptight, restless, irritable, discontent, fearful, he goes to the bar. Um, and that was my solution too. And that just reminds me, in abstinence, it's really tempting to go back into myself and think, I can fix this, I can figure this out, I'm supposed to figure it out. Um, and this program teaches me day after day that I'm not supposed to be the one with the power. I'm supposed to access a power greater than myself because when I think I have to figure things out, whether they're small things, large things, anything, um, I can just make a huge mess and then food will just be the next you know, great idea. So it's always about um, a power that's outside of myself as opposed to I'm just going to roll up my sleeves, figure this out, line everything up, and I'm going to fix this. And the part about tomorrow was another day. I mean, it was always about tomorrow. I'm not going to change today. I'll do that next week. I'll do that tomorrow. Um, and God is like in the now. Um, and recovery is about what am I doing right this minute, right today. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva P. Okay, Shoshana K. Your turn. Hi, good morning. Is this Janice? It is. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for your service, and thank you, everybody, for your service. Shoshana Kay. What's really speaking to me is this last sentence, as I drank the old fierce determination to win came back. He um, really wanted to just keep drinking, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to just keep eating. And even when things were great, and that determination came back for me to win whatever it was I wanted to win, I would celebrate and eat over that too. So I was eating for every reason under the sun. And I had higher power when I came into the rooms, but I wasn't turning to that higher power, which I call God. I was just not willing, not willing to give up my binge foods. And until I started to really, really work these steps in a good pace, and really be willing, willing and honest with myself. Who am I and what do I really need to do to fix this spiritual malady? Then things started to change and shift in such a beautiful way, and I wish that for everybody. And with that, I'm going to pass and wish you all a beautiful day. Well, thank you, Shoshana. Okay, we're going to go to Camille. I didn't get your first initial to your last name. Camille? Hi there. I'm Camille G. Good morning. I'm sorry. Camille G. Okay, please. Hi. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. What I resonated with was the last sentence as well that says, as I drank the old fierce determination to win came back. And just before I share on that, I want to make it really clear. Um, I'm new to vision. I'm not new to OA. And um, what I keep hearing over and over and over in the shares so enriches me all day long Uh, for me to constantly remember that it's my higher power that's my power during the day. It's not the Camille plan that's going to succeed today. And um, I just remember so many times that as I binged, the old fierce determination to win came back. I'd be binging, and while I was binging, I'd be planning 
what would happen after the binge because I knew the binge had to end. The binge always for me had a beginning and it had an end. And I was always in the game to, um, to prove, to prove, I think, to prove to myself that I had some value. So while I was chewing, I had no value and I didn't have to think about it. And as soon as I finished chewing, I was back in the game again to figure out what I could do to lose the weight I had gained so that I would have some value. Um, um, what happened over time is that fierce determination became so exhausted that um, you know, I finally gave up. I just finally gave up, and I'm so grateful for that place of surrender because I'm at that place of surrender today, and it feels so freeing and just so, just so lovely to be part of um, this program. That's all I need to share today. Thanks. And thank you, Camille G., and welcome to our study. Okay, thank anyone you. else? Yeah, you're welcome. Anyone else would like to share on this uh, paragraph? Julie R. Julie R. Julie, 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 Sue G. Let me just write this. Uh, Sue G. Lynn S. And anyone else? Craig S. Greg S. If we have enough time, sure. Go ahead. Okay, Julie R. It's your turn. Hi, thanks, Julie R. Recovered compulsive overeater in California, and I want to talk about you know that same that paragraph as I drank the old fierce determination to win came back when. When I ate, it gave me power because I didn't ha- the only thing that had power over me was the food. So I ate and more power at the beginning. I mean, I literally could feel the power go through my veins like a heroin addict. I mean, I still remember being eight years old, sitting at the table in the midst of the chaos in my dysfunctional home. And as the food went in, I got stronger and the noise there, the anger and the frustration and the hate got smaller and smaller that was outside of me and I got stronger. And, you know, the food, you know, helped me survive. Um, it, it was my solution without a doubt. I really don't think I could have survived uh, my childhood without it. And um, then it worked until it didn't work. And then I just kept on trying to chase that power but it's you know I work at a high pressure job and it would be oh I'm going to go eat before I have this meeting I'm going to eat before this customer comes I'm going to eat before I get audited to take the edge off and um, and it's so funny because I I have I have friends who are not alcoholics but in times of stress they might have one drink and and the difference is they're done with me, I would go in the boardroom and have that one huge muffin while the tour is started, and then I would eat 12 of them and I literally brush the crumbs off my suit and, um, because it gave me that false illusion of power. Even though it barely worked anymore, it was enough just to get through. And, you know, today, where does my power come from? Oh, my gosh, it comes from my creator. You know, I have it eat, overeaten in over, I don't know, like two and a half years. But the cool thing is I have not wanted to eat off my food plan. My abstinence is clear cut. But it's freedom. And I, if somebody like me, what I did with food, can walk around binge foods, and I'm looking at them right now. My husband's not an overeater, so he can have candy. There's still cookies on the table, but they're not mine, and I don't want them. 
I have no nothing. So this program works for newcomers. It you can become free, and the best thing is is when the food is down, the real work begins. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Julie. Uh, okay, Sue G. Good morning to you. Sue G. Good morning. I thought I was third. Hmm. Okay. Um, this is Sue G. from Michigan, recovered by the grace of God. My world crashed for me yesterday. I discovered a, a new red food, and I so I didn't binge on it, but I overate on it, and I was scared to the core of my being. I normally, in that case, would jump, and I would not let someone know right away. Um, Before vision, I would not have let someone know right away. Um, Called my food sponsor, called my step sponsor, didn't get them. And I made three calls and got three different opinions of what to do about it. And I thought, okay, um, God, I should have gone to you first. And uh, I went to him. And then, you know, and then I got, I mean, I never, instead of jumping, I mean, I really was determined to do what was right. And I was willing to do whatever I was told to do. And um, thank God my food sponsor and my step sponsor both agreed um, of what to do. And it was what God had told me, the feeling that I had thought that I should do. And that was so refreshing. And and, and that big lump in my throat of, of, oh, my God, you know, I've lost my abstinence. I've relapsed. I've done this. I've done that. Um, I'm still in a learning process of, of... discovering new foods and and um sometimes we will and things will happen in our lives and and if we don't turn to god we're, we're going to be in a pickle and uh i was headed toward that pickle but i had that determination i've always had determination but not always the honesty behind that determination and praise god i had that honesty and i think uh that's the answer to step one is that honesty and with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sue G. Okay, if we could take, yeah, we might just make three three minutes each. Lynn S., you're on. Good morning. It's Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada, a recovering compulsive overeater. There's a couple of words that really uh, call out to me, but the one I want to share on is that old fierce determination to win came back. And that drive that fierce determination has been with me for as long as I can remember. And even things like if I went bowling once, I joined the league, and then I had to have private bowling sessions because I had to, I had to master this. I had to get it. And I remember that so well. Um, if I were to knit something or I'd start knitting, I wouldn't take the beginner's project I would go on to the most difficult thing and sit there and knit compulsively. I remember knitting in lines, going to movies and things like that. I had to finish it. I had to get it done. It had to be done first, and it had to be the most difficult thing. And if I if I saw an email or had a phone message or something, 
I had to call back right now. And if you tried to dissuade me, I would feel like I would explode or implode, like I just have to do it. And it was the same feeling that drove me to eat. It, it, you know, and that's, that's one of the most amazing things that program showed me. When it showed me that food was not my problem, it was my solution. And when the desire to binge and to perform my binge behaviors was lifted, I then saw that fierce drive and determination in everything else I did. And even thinking now, even in recovery, I don't just sign up for riding lessons, but I lease a horse and ride three times a week. And all of it was done not just to win, but there was a lot of that need that I have to do more to just be okay, to just be the same. I can't be... I don't always want to be in my eyes. It was the bottom of the barrel. So so that constant need and drive to do more just to be okay. Thank you, God, for the program and the ability to work the steps and to have that lifted and to just be. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Lynn S. Okay, uh, Greg F. I think I said the last letter wrong. It's your turn. This is Craig F., recovered compulsive eater in Tulsa. Can you hear me? Yes, I do. Please go ahead. Great. Um, I want to talk about that same line, too, that old fierce determination to win. But I want to focus on the words fierce determination because what I see there, what I see there in me is uh, he's fiercely determined to win uh, in a situation that he's powerless over. Uh, you know, I'm not just powerless over food. I'm, I'm powerless over uh, a lot of things in my life. And uh, yet I, I've always had that uh, idea that somehow I could control those things by the uh, force of my will. Uh, I didn't see it as self-will run riot. I saw it as just uh, being uh, uh, assertive. And, you know, I, it, it got my ego was big enough that, I work in construction. I, I cussed a superintendent out one time because he let it rain on his project. And I, I thought that, you know, if he if he just had the right will uh, at the right time, that you could, uh, you know, if you, if you couldn't control the weather, at least you could uh, uh, predict it and set up for it. And, and, and you know, I had to kind of uh, backtrack and, and make, it, make it amends for that. Not kind of, but I had to, and uh, um, at the, even at the time. But you know, Bill was powerless over the stock market collapsing. Uh, he he he'd taken credit in his mind for his successes, but and uh, he didn't want to take credit for the loss. He wanted to be he wanted to uh, be determined to overcome all that. And you know what a different world. Maybe a, a, a less of a world for us it would have been if he would have at that point been able to say, "I'm powerless over the stock market, and, and I am, uh, you know, going to turn to God and ask God to uh, show me what to do next." Um, you know, the, this whole program might not exist. I think it would still would have found a different way to exist. But, but uh, I, I just. Um, I just see so much of myself in that, in that, in just those two words, that fierce determination. It got me nowhere. It, it got me uh, 
fiercely determined to lose weight, fiercely determined to be abstinent, those things got me nowhere but until I got to, to the only thing that ever fiercely determined to surrender might get me somewhere. And uh, today I'm fiercely determined to stay in surrender and to uh, to keep God in uh, in front of me and uh, to stay in contact with him and to recognize when I'm powerless and recognize uh, that I uh, that I live a much better life and a more satisfying life if I can stay in that uh, in that attitude of surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who shared. We came to the closing of this meeting, but uh, we have more. We have one more to get to go. So I thank everyone, everyone who shared and everyone who's here. So please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Larry Kay please read a, um, a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Larry. Sure, sure, Janice. Thanks for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away your wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.